This podcast may contain strong language, references of a sexual nature, and bad advice. When you've been cooped up indoors and quarantine bites, it's time for Agony Art Lockdown Lights. Welcome everyone to Agony Art Lockdown Lights, the low-calorie version of the Agony Art <laughs> podcast in which we try to solve your problems, not using our own brain power, but instead by telling you how those problems were solved in the great art of our age. And when we inevitably fail to solve those problems, at least you're left with a fun reading, listening and watching list to enjoy in your spare time. My name's Aaron. I'm an author and a reader of books. And I've got Carl, our film fanatic, and Liam, our music maestro, here with me in our virtual studio to record Lockdown Lights, episode eight. Say hello, lads. Hello. Guten Tag. <laughs> Told you it was that's, coming. Um, that's the pig from Shrek, isn't it? They hoofed and they poofed and they sent the eviction notice. <laughs> Our listeners are slowly learning that Carl is secretly a polyglot. How many languages do you speak, Carl? Oh, uh, you know, well, barely one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the lockdown light formula, lads, is proving to be quite popular with the listeners we've been getting a steady stream of new listeners every week and it's reopened a heated debate amongst the agony art presenters about episode length and whether this should be the standard or our previous format should be the standard do you think this is a safe place to let our listeners in on our thinking or do you think it will end up in fisty cuffs like it did last time i think we should not talk about it and move on really do you reckon is that because you threw the first punch last time (laughs) (laughs) on on to problem one Um. (laughs) the problem is listeners that carl and i are fans of long podcasts and liam is a fan of more condensed probably half an hour episodes but it also matters about content, doesn't it? Because mm. you can have a long podcast when you're continuing to be entertained throughout because you don't notice the time passing. Is the problem, Liam, that we're not entertaining enough to maintain an hour-long podcast? <laughs> I think there's an element of that. I think, to be, to be honest, though, the golden rule in, in any statistics is correlation is not causation, right? So we've seen a steady stream of new listeners... Um, but that's not necessarily because the episodes are shorter. It might be that just because we've had a few episodes coming out being released fairly regularly, that we're getting new listeners that yeah. way. People are picking it up. People are like, oh, yes, I listen to this every week. It's all right. It's not brilliant. <laughs> might be all the celebrity guests that we've invited on. Yeah, oh. well, we've we've had quite a few, haven't we, so far? Yeah, we haven't had any responses, but we've had... Um... <laughs> oh, have you got any input, Carl? Do you think that this has changed your opinion at all, the lockdown light format? or Perhaps a little bit in that um, they've been good episodes. The main thing is, I think, if we did it in this format, we could get more content out quicker and... More regularly. More regularly, yeah. I yeah. Do, what I don't want to do is keep doing it remotely. Because I yeah, like yeah. doing it in person, you know, in the, in the actual studio. Yeah, it's because we've got so much Diet Coke in my house, isn't it, Carl? Well, and beer, and coffee, <laughs> and Yorkshire puddings. 
Oh, those Yorkshire puddings. <laughs> Yorkshire puddings on tap. <laughs> I think I think what we should do, since, since we've got so many, what was it, thousands of listeners now? Hmm. M- millions, it might have been, actually. Um, <laughs> millions of potential listeners. <laughs> un- all over the universe as well. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we put the question to them? That's a good question. That's a good point, Liam. Let's do it. On a on an Instagram post, I'll put a poll out. What's your favourite format? And Carl, you're in charge of our Twitter account. If you can be asked at some point this week, if <laughs> <laughs> you flag in for the last three or four months, <laughs> yeah, uh, put a poll out. We'll see what our followers think. Listeners, follow our social media accounts at Agony Art Podcast, and you can have your say. And rate us five stars on. Um, <laughs> and rate us five stars, whether you think we're five stars or not. <laughs> <laughs> good point, Liam. Well done. You've solved a problem today. It's a good job because Hallelujah. for the rest of the episode, you're probably not going to. <laughs> I'm just going to sign off there, to be honest. <laughs> Are we going to um, make sure Liam doesn't take us on a 40 minute tangent? Um, although it was really enjoyable last episode. Who's, who's going to well, rein him in? Thanks to my brutal cutting of that episode, Carl. It was all killer, no filler. <laughs> Liam didn't feature at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I completely cut Liam out. Um, so the last episode ended up being shorter than it was when we actually recorded it. But... <laughs> all right, let's move on. Uh, before we begin, I want to make it very clear that we're not really here to solve your life's hardest problems. All of our submissions are verified as completely trivial and or fictional pickles. And our advice is terrible and should almost never be followed. We're really only here to have fun and we want to drag you along with us. So if you're having a really hard time, I'd recommend going to our website for some links that will provide real help. That's agonyartpodcast.com. So with that disclaimer out of the way, let's get on with it. Here is our first problem of the day. My significant other wants us to become vegan. I understand the ethical concerns about eating animals, but man, I just love my meat. What should I do? Is this something that either of you have ever considered? No. Oh. <laughs> That's a simple well, answer. I um, I, I've refrained from like researching the animal issues of like meat production because I know it will make me think, "Oh my god, I can't do this anymore." <laughs> yeah. But uh, what we are, before um, I sound like a monster, and I don't care. Like we are trying to, we do try and have like a week of meat eating, a week of non-meat eating to um, mm. try and reduce the impact. So I think yeah, I've, there's um, also environmental issues, isn't there, with meat? Exactly. Like, yeah, it's not just ethical concerns about animals, which are, which is a big deal. Like if you're an animal lover and you do read about what goes on in the meat industry, you do just think, how can I support this? Because um, it's so sad, but. Also, yeah, climate change. Huge contributor to climate change. I've persuaded my wife to... We go, we've go. we gone down to about three or four days a week we're veggie. So if everyone did that, it'd be a massive reduction, wouldn't it? But everyone doesn't do that. And we've still got a long way to go. The If I... One day, maybe, I will be a vegan. But <laughs> right now, I'm struggling to get there. But... One step there, at a time. There are alleged, I say alleged because I've not looked into it, health benefits to being vegan as well. I remember watching this docu- documentary about how they reckon it adds 10 years onto your life expectancy on average or something like that. 
the word I was trying to say there was life expectancy. <laughs> what I actually said was life expect dad dad dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you could get people arguing for health benefits for any lifestyle that they were trying to sell you, Dave. That's the only problem. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so who wants to start? In fact, let's think of an anonymizing name for this person. Can you think of any famous vegetarians or famous meat eaters? I was I was going to say Dandy, because uh, in the Dandy Warhol song, Bohemian Like You, he says something about being vegan. What was it? You if, you, if you dig on vegan food, <laughs> come over to my work. I'll have them cook you something that you really love. That's what you, don't mean, you don't mean um, the guy from the Dandy comic who eats massive meat pies. <laughs> Desperate Dan. <laughs> Dan. Desperate Dan. Dan. Yeah. yeah, let's call him Desperate Dan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that Dandy Warhol song, Bohemian Like You, is one of my least favourite songs in the world. <laughs> I hate it so much because it's on every late 90s, early 2000s TV show ever like yeah like they need a i don't know they're driving along the desert and they're happy with the roof down or something <laughs> bohemian like you will be in the background um anyway okay desperate dan <laughs> this is the advice we've got for you carl um, do you want to begin yeah i'll go first this one this time so aaron introduced me to this film um it's called okja 2017 directed by bong joon ho um it's a south korean produced film it's a little bit like babe Except he's nothing like Babe at all. <laughs> the, the similarities kind of end up there being a pig in it. <laughs> Ogja is a super pig, genetically modified to have less of an impact on the environment. It's a big plus. Uh, produce less waste and consume less food. But it produ- importantly, produces a lot of good tasting meat. He's looked after by Mia and her grandfather in South Korea. Unfortunately for the audience, um, Ogja is a super cute, tender and caring uh, pig. And you don't want her to get slaughtered for the luscious meat that she's holding in her mm. body. <laughs> what a weird way to talk about it. <laughs> Are you holding meat in your body? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Is it luscious meat? It <laughs> <laughs> uh, reminds the- me, do you remember um, the Simpsons episode where Homer's in the Garden of Eden, I think? Uh, it might not even be Homer, but... I, my memory's terrible, but the pig rolls over on its back, and you can strip the rashers off its belly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like anyway, that. sorry, <laughs> sorry. Carry on, Carl. Well, actually, we could talk about Simpsons, where uh, Lisa wants to be a vegetarian because there's a yeah. Don't eat me, <laughs> yeah. Lisa. I thought you loved me. <laughs> um, the big bad in the film is a corporation, of course, who wants to profit from the super pigs. And doesn't care about Run the by, um, at all. Tilda Swinton, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So Ogja gets uh, taken to be showcased in New York, away from her home in South Korea, and she ends up beaten and blinded by the horrific conditions she's kept in. And really, the film is about like saving her, but the film really emphasises the trauma that the animals go through, and when they bring them home, mm. they're not the same pigs that they were before. And what this film was being good at doing is making people research. Oh, does this really happen to? animals and then sends them down a rabbit hole of animal cruelty which then has turned a lot of people vegan or vegetarian so you know you could watch this and then make it make a call the reason i've read quite a lot of articles about it and the reason it's so effective is because it's not a documentary telling you look how bad this is look what you shouldn't be Mm. doing it's just a film a story and then you kind of make your own judgment about it 
some people don't care about animals and won't give a shit about the pig at all. Mm. And that's and that's just them. But um Yeah, so, I think um people don't respond well to being preached to, basically, do they? Even if they agree with your point. Mm. If you're badgering them about it and treating them like they're wrong for not taking action, the same action that you are, you're gonna get someone's back up. Yeah. <laughs> and they're but, not gonna wanna so this film is a good way a good way of doing that without being preached to, I think, because you'll either feel for the pig, do some googling, googling Wikipedia about abattoirs and things, and make a make a call, or you won't. Yeah, or you'll think, oh, I could do with a bacon sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> a genetically <laughs> superior bacon sandwich. Um, well, I've got a couple of examples just like that. Then, uh, so you can read them educate yourself a little bit and then make your own judgment and what i've got are children's books <laughs> so they're probably <laughs> below the level you really need what did we call him again i oh, a yeah, desperate dan <laughs> desperate dan first one is that's why we don't eat animals by ruby roth it's for six to ten year olds and it will give you a long list of reasons not to eat animals. It says, while some animals are protected by laws or born into loving homes, others live painful and lonely lives on factory farms where hundreds or thousands of other animals are raised for meat and dairy. But they too live and breathe. They too have feelings and families. And we're shown the animals that we love, like pets, and asked how we can tolerate other animals being treated poorly just because... They're, you know, not at the forefront of our minds. They're not in front of us every day. And that is how I feel about it as well. It's like, I would call myself an animal lover, but I still eat meat. And it's like a hurdle to get over in your mind, isn't it? There's a better word for that. What's it called? Where... You've um, highlighted something else as well, which we haven't even touched upon really yet, which is the dairy industry. So, you know, if you're cutting out meat, um, that's that's part of it. But vegan, you've got to cut out dairy as well. And mm. I don't know. I mean, call me a terrible person, please. You're a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't imagine a life without dairy. No? Why? Are you a big cheese fan? Big cheese fan. I've had milk in probably, well, obviously like, you know, tea and coffee and that sort of thing. I suppose there's soy milk and that sort of thing, isn't there? Yeah, I have oat milk in my coffee now. Do you? Yeah. Mm, it's nice as well. In fact, when I have a coffee with cow's milk now, it tastes weird to me. And next time you do come round, we talked about a fridge full of Coke. I've got a fridge full of oat milk now. One of the shelves is like 100% oat milk. So <laughs> you can try it next time you're around if you want. Can we just clarify um, that we mean um, the uh, carbonated beverage Coke? Fridge full of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fridge full of cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't sell the cocaine in the fridge. He's not crazy. <laughs> um, just a warning, though. So I've given you an example about... Um, why you should go veggie, but here's another one. It's just a warning that if you do decide to go decide to go veggie or vegan, you might be regarded with suspicion by some people. Carl, you bought me a book called Classic Locked Room Mysteries, which is a um, collection of short stories, locked room mysteries, by edited by David Stewart Davies. There's all famous authors have written these short stories that go in it, and one of them is The Two Bottles of Relish by Lord Dunsany. Now, a vegetarian lived with a woman who has gone missing, but there's no body and no evidence of her death. And whenever there's someone who comes to investigate this this disappearance, 
And whenever they talk about this vegetarian who was living with the woman, they think it's very suspicious that he was vegetarian. <laughs> and I was like, why? I think this is written in the 1800s or something. <laughs> I don't even um, know the concept then. Like, apart from the scientific <laughs> thing, like animals don't eat meat. But... Oh, yeah. Um, was, it, was it like left-handed people, similar sort of thing? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so the fact that he's a vegetarian immediately raises suspicions. And ultimately, we find out that he bought some meat relish after she disappeared. Ooh. So you do the math. He wasn't a vegetarian. He ate her. He ate her? Oh, my God. <laughs> so uh, have you ever given anyone your meat relish, Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> no so maybe we should move on to Liam <laughs> well <laughs> a friend of the show Morrissey has some topical <laughs> advice for you here in the uh, the Smiths 1985 song Meat is Murder from the album of the same name that's how much he cared about this message <laughs> um, this is Liam's weekly the Smiths <laughs> mention <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the Smiths <laughs> and I say advice it's more of a telling off. He says, and the flesh you so fancifully fry. Bit of alliteration there. I didn't realise that when I was writing it down. I like that. It's nice. <laughs> it's not succulent, tasty or kind. It's death for no reason. And death for no reason is murder. Morrissey's wow. not happy. Don't want you eating the meats. He's like he's on stage thrashing gladioli about. Like, what about the flowers? <laughs> <laughs> he don't care about them though. He'll eat them. Presumably. <laughs> Can you eat gladiola? I don't know. Probably not. Um, so, yeah, you could you could listen to me. It's murder. It's a, it's a bit of a dreary song. I don't think Morrissey will mind me saying. Um, so you could listen to that. And you, could, you could feel... That's unlike him. <laughs> <laughs> you could feel very bad about yourself and feel very guilty. Alternatively, you could go with your gut, literally, and show your defiance by taking the advice of an artist who will probably already be quite unpopular with your significant other just from his name alone and i am of course talking about meatloaf <laughs> see what i did there very nice yeah very good so in in 1993 meatloaf solemnly declared in the song of the same name i'd do anything for love but i won't do that <laughs> in meatloaf's case the thing he wouldn't do were actually four things described in each verse of the song oh really yeah do I you, didn't know that. <laughs> do either of you know any of the four things? Um, so you're a rocket scientist. <laughs> <laughs> that don't impress me much. But I, I won't do that. He'd, he'd um, hose her down with holy water if she got too hot. <laughs> <laughs> that, that wasn't one of the things, but that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of the Thick of It episode where he goes... Um, I wouldn't piss on you if you were allergic to fucking piss. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember. I always thought the thing that he wouldn't do was a mystery. I didn't know it was described in the verses. Maybe I should have learnt the verses as well. This is this is what this is what you said in a, in an interview, which I forgot to mention. So maybe you can include the interview in the show notes um, <laughs> because I have no idea what it was. Um, but he said <laughs> he'll never forget the way you feel right now. That was the first one. Second one was, forgive myself if we don't go all the way tonight. Bit weird. <laughs> uh, do it better than I do it with you. And probably the most romantic one, which is, stop dreaming of you every night of my life. 
It's not hard to be the ro- most romantic <laughs> one when all the other points were fucking weird. <laughs> so yeah, so he, he was being quite romantic, but um, Desperate Dan, you could take it in the opposite direction and you could say that the one thing you wouldn't do for love is become a it's vegan. Go vegan. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Sounds like we've run out of examples. Has anyone got any wrap-up points? No, good. (laughs) (laughs) What's your problem? There's no use trying to pretend you haven't got one. The three of us are here to lend a friendly ear and help you out with all that strife that's lately marked your life. Why not divulge it? You never know, we may have tips that help you solve it. We know it's unlikely, but it's an impossibility if you don't share your problem. Problem two. My friend keeps pranking me and filming it, thinking it's going to make him a social media star. It's really annoying, and actually making me scared to leave the house. How do I get him to stop? I didn't know this was a real thing, that people actually played pranks on each other in real life. You, you must have seen, like, the social media accounts that do it, though. Do you think they're all just made up? I have seen those, and I know that people do it, but those are mostly twats, aren't they? <laughs> and, <laughs> um, you, I just didn't know... What I, yeah, let me rephrase. I didn't know there were this many twats in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, but there are definitely because you um, mm. you get WhatsApp like messages forwarded, and always like they're always different people doing stupid things. Like most of them are yeah, on the building site. I'm not saying all builders are twats at all, but like um, <laughs> this just in, Carl thinks builders are twats. <laughs> <laughs> the last one I saw was uh, there's a guy like looking in a hole and someone was filming from a digger and he just nudged the digger thing so he fell in the hole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have seen, yeah, I've seen loads of stuff like that actually. I I don't like the, I don't like the idea of a campaign of pranking against someone at all. Yeah, to make them (laughs) scared of leaving the house. Oh my days. Um, So to, to really solve this problem, once we have the listenership, we'll declare war on all the builders. (laughs) (laughs) a prank war (laughs) (laughs) alright then let's call him Bob the Builder (laughs) I'm going to go first this time lads I'm just going to my advice is very simple Bob if you can't beat them join them this one is hot off the presses this book only came out a couple of weeks ago My very, 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 very silly book of pranks by Matt Lucas. Now, really, it's aimed at kids. So, Bob the Builder, if you are over the age of 10, maybe you won't even find any good advice in this book. But (laughs) (laughs) some prank suggestions from the book include a method of making a fake puddle so that it looks like Milk has spilt all over the table and stuffing newspaper into the ends of people's shoes so that they think their feet have shrunk. Oh, my days. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure, so maybe sure. you'll have to adapt them to be adult. They sound pranks, like quite wholesome but... pranks, though. Like the sort of pranks yeah, that I'd like to be pranked someone. with if I had to be pranked by someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're going to choose your pranks. What they reminded me of is um, 
you remember the Twits by Roald Dahl? Yeah. They start playing pranks on each other, don't they? They um, I think it's to, on each other because they hate each other, don't they? The Twits, I think. Mm. Um, like adding length to their walking sticks so that they think that they're shrinking. <laughs> you remember that? It gets higher and higher. And I think they then they stick furniture to the ceiling or uh, something. Don't the animals do that to get back? Oh, do they? Do they? Yeah, oh, and then okay. they end up sticking them to the ceiling. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? So yeah, that's so, a, um, a revenge prank as well, I think. What's the biggest... Yeah, so there what, you go. What's the biggest prank that's ever been pulled on you? When I was at uni, I went away for a weekend, and when I got back, all of the furniture from my bedroom was in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite harmless, I don't mind, though. Like, when I was a kid, we did the classic, um, like, very dark thread tied to a door knocker across the road, hiding behind a car, just knocked it, like, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> until they found the, the string and then you run away yeah <laughs> well I, I think there's there's only one way to get a prank to, to stop and that's to prove that their antics just don't bother you right and I think there's a song that will give you a really good mentality for this and this is Chumbawamba's 1997 hit Tub Thumping they would have you declare fearlessly I'll get knocked down but I'll get up again you ain't ever gonna keep me down Pop quiz time. We haven't had one of them in a while. Do you know how many albums Chumbawamba had when this song came out in 1997? Eight. Cole, was that a guess? Yeah. It's the, you're right. It was their eighth <laughs> album. <laughs> they formed in 1982. By the way, I'm not going to go through the whole story here, but Chumbawamba's backstory is pretty interesting. I've watched a program on it, actually. Weren't they a punk band or something? Before. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Was this because um, they did a Kickstarter to create a documentary called Chumbawamba: The Untold Story? Is that what you watched? No, it was um, I love the eighties on BBC Two, or <laughs> I love the nineties, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I mean, I did not know any of this about Chumbawamba. So they they started out as a as a punk band. They were very anti-establishment. Their first album was a dig at Live Aid. It was called Pictures of Starving Children Sells Records. That was in 1986. <laughs> they were involved in an EMI protest album, as documented on Discogs.com, called Fuck EMI in 1989, <laughs> in which various artists covered popular songs without permission from the copyright holders. <laughs> and then, of course, ironically, in 1997, they were signed by EMI. <laughs> and like the cut of your jib. <laughs> <laughs> that, that led to another punk band of the time, Oi Paloi, releasing an EP entitled... Barefaced Hypocrisy Sells Records, the anti-Chumbawamba EP. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it's just a massive saga. And if you're interested in learning more about it, I can recommend episode four of the Surprisingly Awesome podcast, which is a tub-thumping special. Um, it's very interesting. <laughs> and then the ultimate sellout by doing a pop song, essentially. Yeah. Well, and according to them, they, they, were, they basically justified it by saying, well we had a message that we wanted to get out to everyone and this was a massive platform to do it so we took we took the opportunity and and they never really they never really stopped being punk or at least appearing to be punk because you know they subsequently did a load of weird stuff like they were on top of the pops and they changed the words to tub thumping to be about new labor um they they poured a jug of water over john prescott at the brit awards or something like that what's john prescott doing at the brit awards 
<laughs> I mean, why was he even there in both of his jags? That that sounds like it's probably a story for another podcast, doesn't it? <laughs> the John Prescott podcast. Yeah, so but that that, that was my tangent for the week. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just uh, get knocked down, get up again, and tell them. How do Chumbawamba relate to Banana Rama? <laughs> I think they're brothers. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of on Aaron's side about revenge um, pranking. I think, or you know, th- th- this is one method. Um, so Kit Harrington in Game of Thrones, as many of you know, he married um, what's her name, Egret in the program. Is it Egret? Yeah, yeah. But uh, her name is Rose Leslie. He pranked her by putting the model of his severed head in the fridge of her trailer. So when she opened it, she saw his <laughs> severed head. And her way of dealing with that was um, said, if you ever do anything like that again, then we're over. So yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a revenge prank, but it was just, <laughs> yeah. I will fucking dump you if that happens again, you <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, and it won't be a prank, yeah. <laughs> Another, while I was looking at pranks like in the film industry, um, Alan Rickman put a fart machine in... Um, Harry Potter's bunk, and when they were filming like a quiet nighttime scene, he'd like set it off, which I thought was quite <laughs> hilarious. I didn't have Alan um, Rickman down as a prankster, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I always think whenever you see bloopers as well, where they've deliberately made a blooper, one of the actors has essentially pranked one of the other actors or, you know, set them up to fail in a scene. I always think. Do the crew not just hate them at that point? We've set yeah. up to film this scene. We thought we were going to get it done. Exactly, <laughs> Why are you yeah. fucking there making was, this um, longer than it needs to be? <laughs> there are loads and loads of George Clooney, Brad Pitt Pat pranks, which you must have thought made the whole film in like Ocean's Eleven and Twelve horrible for everyone else. Cause, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause it's, it's funny for the audience and it's yeah. funny for you two, hmm. but all the crew are thinking... I've already worked a 16-hour day. I don't need any more of this. We've got to reset this one now. Yeah, remake up. (laughs) It's like Friends is very similar. There's so many outtakes videos on YouTube of just, um, I've forgotten his name, Matthew Perry, just doing something really stupid halfway through a scene. The kind of the king of pranks is uh, Paul Newman, it seems. But he he had a campaign against one director, um, George Roy Hill, um, the director of uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Paul Newman is a very famous actor, a bit of a method actor as well, obviously. Um, and he kept coming up with scene suggestions, which the director ignored. So the first thing he did on the set of um, Butch Cassidy was to saw his desk in half and then put it back together. And so, and he always used to sit on his desk and then he fell through the desk, obviously. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> That's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> did but they then, have a spare desk? <laughs> I don't know. Did he saw it in half himself? or? <laughs> But to you know, to escalate things, they also worked together on the sting, and the same thing happened. He had comments to make, and they got ignored. So he decided to saw his car in half. <laughs> Why is he always sawing things in half? <laughs> no idea. And then the last thing, the same same actor, same director on the set of Slapshot. Newman got annoyed at the director for refusing to buy a new to buy the crew a round of drinks. To get back at Hill for his penny pinching, Newman staged a horrible car crash with another dummy dressed like him, scaring the bejesus out of Hill. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the answer there, for some reason, they kept working together. But um... <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. People will carry on if you just allow them to do it. <laughs> but I think um, the art that I suggest you look at is um, an actual a TV, MTV TV show called Revenge Prank. 
with um, <laughs> Paulie D from Jersey Shore. And um, so the idea is, apparently, there are 24 <laughs> episodes worth of people that have pranking campaigns against someone that need... Um, what a load revenge. of shit. It's just like catfish. <laughs> I don't believe a single one of those fucking cash no. catfish people were actually catfished. Some of them are just ridiculous. Like, they prank someone to think they've won the lottery, which would really piss me <laughs> off. Really piss me off. <laughs> yeah. Well, this one as well. Uh, the prank with sprinkles on top, episode 18. Paulie D helps Bella get revenge on her boyfriend, Damie. By inviting him to go on a dream date to an ice cream parlour. Little does he know it will turn into his worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but it gets a little bit weird. With episode 13, the prank that's six feet under. Um, Vinny helps Precious get revenge on her girlfriend, Jay, by tricking her into attending a fake funeral. Things get messy when the true identity of the deceased is revealed to be her boyfriend. <laughs> what the fuck? So, yeah, there are various lengths you can go to. But maybe you've got 24 episodes of ideas there that might hurt uh, yeah. you. I thought this one might be handed to you on a platter, Carl, because of all the jackass films. Yeah, I did think about that. But then what would I do? Just like, tell you about various, like... Yeah, the, and it would, like... Be, um, it would be the same advice anyway. Just all mm. they do is prank each other all the time. And the advice would still be... Just pranking back. The one that sprung to mind was um, the hair shaver, like going up behind people and shaving mm. their hair. <laughs> that is assault, though. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe don't do that. So our advice is show him that you're strong from Liam and from me and Carl, just pranking back. Fight fire with fire. Yep. The problem is an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. If it's only one eye, though, you're not blind, are you? <laughs> yeah, I think it's in a. There's a film where they say that, isn't there? Someone says an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind, and the response is, "Well, not really, because there will be always one person with one eye left." <laughs> <laughs> all right, so sounds like we're reaching the end of that one. So it's all we've got time for this week. Check out the episode notes or agonyartpodcast.com. So find links to all the media we mentioned and for a link to the Agony Art Spotify playlist where you can listen to all the songs. If you've got a problem you'd like us to attempt to solve, you can reach us on our group Instagram and Twitter accounts at Agony Art Podcast or on the submissions page on our website. I want to thank our resident Agony Aunts for their contributions. Thanks, Liam. Thanks, Carl. Thank you. Danke. <laughs> thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more problems to muddle our way through and more entertainment for you to check out. See ya. Cheers. Auf Wiedersehen. But I'd suggest keep it light Cause their advice can be shite And they won't be held liable Oh no, not at all Not here at Agony Art Agony Art Agony on